Welcome to Engage Your Tribe, a podcast about the art and science of audience engagement. I'm Jeremy Shear, founder and CEO of Tribal Knowledge Podcasting, and my guest is Bill Potter, VP of Marketing and Sales at Rampiva. Bill, it's great to have you on the show. Thanks, Jeremy. I appreciate being invited. I had a chance to listen to some of your past interviews, and it's it's really, I think, touching a sweet spot about where business and consumers are right now. Well, thank you. That's very kind of you to say. So tell us a little bit about Rampiva. So Rampiva is a data processing automation platform. The big picture here is when law enforcement or government regulators or courts demand data from individuals or corporations, there's a long process that they have to go through before present an email or a phone call or let's say 10,000 emails or phone calls as evidence to the courts. And so we we provide an automation layer across a couple pieces of that that just make it uh, a little easier, a little faster, and a little bit more transparent. Okay, very interesting. So you just mentioned law enforcement courts. I, I think there was there was one more that you mentioned. Within these types of organizations, who is the main audience you're trying to reach? Who are the decision makers that you're trying to talk to? That's a great question, and uh, it actually varies substantially between organizations. At the end of the day, the the people that we work with are are fact finders and innovate people who really understand data as opposed to, say, the pipes that communicate data. We're, we're sort of in a generational shift right now between people who are used to building computers to maintain uptime and the more data scientist-oriented approach, which is about leveraging data as information and making sure it's available to the right people at the right time. We really focus on that second group because they understand the pressures that are created by growing volumes, new demand, and shortened timelines. Okay. And what sort of titles do those types of people tend to have in those organizations? We work a lot with the the legal department inside of corporations. They can be digital forensics teams, electronic discovery teams, information governance. Cybersecurity is a huge driver right now because, you know, as you can imagine, there's a big difference between a breach that gets access to emails that are 15 years old versus emails that are five days old. There's a big difference between a breach that gets access to your employee records, which are full of, of private, legally protected information, rather than a, a, a breach that gets access to, say, your billing information, which, which might not be as sensitive. So depending on where the attack managed to get access to can de determine a lot in terms of response strategy and ultimately consequences. So that's a group that really understands the difference between, you know, one piece of data and another piece of data that might otherwise look the same. Okay. And so what challenges are you dealing with from both the marketing and sales side in connecting with these folks that you need to talk to? That's a great question. You know, I think the 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 first challenge, as you can imagine, is these are all very busy and important people, right? Legal is about dealing with urgent risks, cybersecurity, yeah. urgent risks. And so, you know, just getting time on their calendar, particularly as a, a relatively new company, as a startup, that can be a challenge. The The second piece of it, however, is that these are also real experts, right? They're attorneys, they're deep technical leaders. And in order for us to, you know, really make the most out of our time, 
we have to be able to educate them on our vision for the marketplace, how that lines up with their needs and build enough trust and relationship that they're willing to make an investment of just additional time in getting to know each other. And so that can be, you know, in addition to being busy, demonstrating expertise to these people is really important. So we try and you know, really focus on, on, on quick hits that demonstrate value out the gate. Okay, so you need to demonstrate expertise to people who have a lot of expertise themselves and right. might be a little skeptical of anyone coming in and saying, hey, here's some stuff you maybe don't know already, or we have a thought, an insight that is something that could help you. They may be like, oh, oh, really? So you think you know more right. than I do. Well, and it's it's also a complex industry that's that's evolved a lot over the past 20 years. And so there there have been a lot of people who have knocked on the door and said, we have an innovative approach or an innovative mm. piece of technology that you really need to be aware of. And despite the best of intentions, sometimes those folks are wrong, right? And yeah. so this community is is a more mature and, and educated buyer these days than they were 10 or 15 years ago. Yeah. And sometimes there's just a lot of hype, right? People who overpromise and don't deliver, which can make it tougher for folks like you who are like, no, no, we, we really, we, we can back up these claims. Right. I mean, particularly in, in the technology space, the, the business to business technology space, where there, there is a lot of innovation. And just because something's been successful somewhere else, uh, you know, in the consumer space, for example, it doesn't mean that it'll scale to or be applicable mm -hmm. to the types of findings that, that need to happen in the, in the corporate world. So, you know, even, e even when people don't mean to oversell their product, they can still do that. Yeah. Okay. So let's talk about your strategies for how you deal with those challenges and you, you get time on the calendar and you're, and you're able to generate discussions with the, you know, with some pretty smart people. Yeah. So our primary approach is, is really just authenticity right? In order to build trust, you have to authentically represent yourself, your product, and the impact you're looking to make. And so I'm lucky that, that this standard is set by our CEO. He's got a, a background in digital forensics. He has a background as an ethical hacker. And so it's important to him on a personal level that the Rampiva brand represent that, that same level of integrity. You know, so he has, you know, he, he's been in the hot seat testifying on this is evidence of culpability. And so he understands the importance of, you know, maintaining integrity every step of the way. And so that feeds in pretty naturally into how we message ourselves to the market. We make a lot of investment in providing content, providing vision. We really look at it as if we can raise all boats, then, then we all benefit. Um, you know, at the end of the day, there has to be a market for your com for your technology to win. There has to be a market, right? We're the best technology and there's no demand. That doesn't do us any good. Right. So we're really in uh, invested in, in demand generation and, and, and helping people understand not just the benefits of automating data processing, but just how to do it, how to think about it, how to make smart decisions around it. You know, we have, you know, we, we've got five years of doing this most of our clients are going to be doing it for the first time, right? Mm. It's a lot like, you know, selling a car. Most car salesmen uh, will sell more cars in a day than I will buy in my entire lifetime. Some of them can use that to, to, to manipulate the client and, and, and sell them something they don't need. But a really good car salesman is going to use that education to help put me in a minivan versus a motorcycle. 
Yeah. So that's the the first approach that we take is mm -hmm. is just really investing in educating the marketplace. The the second thing that that I'm excited about that we do is we really emphasize the role of data in decision making. And so we we've got a, a great relationship with some of our early adopter clients in which they share back benchmarking and impact performance data back with us. And so we've got a really granular understanding of how our product is impacting their day-to-day. -day. And we're able to anonymize that and share that back out with other buyers so that they have a reasonable expectation of what milestones they should be at. And, and that, in my experience, goes a long way because there's so much perceived risk. There's so much unknown to doing something for the first time. If you don't know whether you should be at 60 or 90, mm. there, there's a lot of variability. So the more we can do to show them here's reasonable progress that other people have made in a way that you can measure in real time, that goes a long way to, to, to keeping everybody aligned towards shared goals. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. I could see how that would be really valuable to have that kind of data. Yeah. I mean, it's like having an MSRP for, for a car, right? If I know mm. that, that the average price of this car is $25,000 uh, and I'm being charged $27,000, I have a little bit of a sense as to where I can go as a buyer. Whereas if that benchmarking information didn't exist, I might think I was getting a great deal because it wasn't 30,000, right? Yeah. So what's another example of piece of content or a type of content or maybe even a channel that you found really helps you guys demonstrate that kind of authenticity you were talking about? You know, one of the one of the big challenges, and I, I think it's it's an authentic sort of concern, is anytime you talk about automation, people ask the question, "How is this going to impact me? How is this going to impact my career?" Right? Mm -hmm. There's uh, there's sort of uh, an old wives' tale that the the number of ATMs is 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 inversely proportioned to the number of bank tellers, mm -hmm. and that's actually not true. The number of bank tellers has actually stayed constant over the past. 50 mm. years, despite a skyrocketing number of ATMs. And that's because there's other work for those tellers to do. We've had, you mm. know, diversified financial instruments and, and banks just have a very different relationship with their customer these days. And part of that's because tellers very rarely deal with the low value transaction of deposits and withdrawals. And so one of the things that, that we're really committed to is talking transparently to the marketplace about roles and responsibilities, how automation is, is, is taking work off the table, and then what those people then go on to do. One of the big trends we're seeing is even though teams are able to automate, let's say, 70% of the projects they work on, the other 30%, that's the hard stuff. That's the stuff that really takes technical knowledge, case strategy knowledge, and requires some level of, of relationship building back with the core client. And so you need more attention there. So in, instead, of, instead of saying, hey, we've automated 70% of this, we're going to shrink our staff, what teams are doing is doubling down on their investment in uh, building relationships with other business units. They're, they're, they're going out and winning more work or they're spending more time getting the really granular stuff right and improving the overall quality of their output, which, which we think is really cool. Okay, great. 
So final thoughts, what's something you've learned over the past year or two that you can share with our listeners that they can use to help improve how they engage their audiences? Oh, that's a great question. You know, if, if, if I look at it as sales and marketing, one of the investments that, that I've made personally is I, I made the move from understanding Excel to understanding Power BI or, or you know, just general business intelligence technologies. Um, and, you know, so I, I, I come from a stats background. I was an econ major in college. I've, I've worked in Excel for, for 15 years. And, and I had to make a real effort to learn how to work inside of Power BI. But now that I'm there, it's been transformative in terms of my ability to interact with our data and my ability to communicate that data internally to, to my stakeholders or out to my clients. So certainly something that I think everybody should be paying more attention to is technical fluency with working with numbers and, and data. I think the, the second thing, that, and, and this is maybe more you know, me as a, a citizen and, and me as a consumer, is just you know, understanding the, the degree to which organizations are able to segment their audience based off of you know, your social media activity, you know, your email communications. There's so much information out there about us and our preferences. It's easy for organizations to tell you what you want to hear. And so I just try and be extra cognizant of that when I'm, when I'm learning new information. Sometimes you can use it to your advantage, right? Help you find the information that you actually are looking for. But, you know, I'm, I'm making an extra effort myself to just, you know, double check with, with a couple extra searches on, on the internet just to see, you know, can I, can I find external validation for that weird email that I got from my, my grandma or my aunt? And I think that that is, uh, that, that's just good habit for, 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 for human beings. And it's, it's extra good habit for people who work in the sales space because sales is all about new relationships and, and new relationships is also one of the ways that, that, that external bad actors can, can target and, and corrupt and gain access to you and your department. So, just just being extra skeptical about about the information that you do receive can go a long way, I think. Yeah, great point. Especially these days, it seems like every other day there's a phishing attack, a malware attack, a ransomware attack. This stuff is out there. It's funny because you know, so I, I, I because of the work we do, I have the opportunity to to sit in on a lot of briefings about how to recognize potential bad actors, right? And it's it's funny how much of that aligns with authentic sales activity, right? Mm. Somebody that you don't know reaching out with information that they've learned about you from public sources, asking you questions about your internal department. Um, that's what sales is. But if, you, if you're a right. bad actor, you know, if you're trying to, to learn something you shouldn't, that, that is a very, that's a very similar approach. And so we like to joke that, that good hacker, hacker, uh, hackers might make good sales guys also. <laughs> but it just, it emphasizes the importance of, of relationship and brand, I think, because uh, the, the cost of being a stranger is, is significant. Yeah, well put. Well, Bill, great insights. And thank you so much for sharing them and for a really cool conversation. Thanks so much for reaching out to me. I appreciate getting to know you, and I'll look forward to listening to more of your interviews with the other thought leaders. 
That's it for this episode of Engage Your Tribe. You can subscribe anywhere you get podcasts on any podcast app. And while you're at it, you might as well give the show five stars and leave an over-the-top comment about how much you love the podcast. You know you want to. If you're a marketer or an internal communicator and you're interested in podcasting, we've got tons of free resources on the website at tribknowledge.com. That's T-R-I-B knowledge.com. Thanks for listening and staying engaged.